Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Keith Weiner. He is the founder and CEO at Monetary Metals, which is a specialist in precious metals. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Keith. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Just give us a little bit of your background and history and forming of monetary metals. So um, I was your classic computer nerd in, uh, in high school, Founded a, dropped out of uh, computer software school, founded a software company called Diamondware, built that up over a 14-year period and sold that to Nortel Networks August 19th of 2008. We were the last transaction that Nortel ever closed. So as the events began to unfold that fall, um, I started to study economics and markets. At first, with was just an eye to figuring out how to protect myself. Later, coming to realize that there's a very great problem in our monetary system, ended up getting a, um, a PhD, not accredited, but uh, the work was real. And monetary economics uh, really started to focus on um, gold and gold being part of the solution, and I said I want my next venture to be uh, part of the solution and not just go on you know, the software company. Okay, and then tell us specifically about monetary metals and what, what made that unique amongst all the gold sellers out there. So we're not, um, we're not focused on selling gold and buying gold and, and, um, and touting the idea that the gold price is always going to go up and that your gain from investing in gold is going to come from a rise in price. Uh, we take a more philosophical view about gold and price, but um, the unique proposition of monetary metals is that we pay interest on gold. So we're not about selling you gold, uh, we're about if you have gold, maybe it makes more sense to deposit it in a way where you're an interest on it, rather than deposit in a way where you have to pay to store it. So let's go into that in more detail. So explain, say somebody has some gold and wants to buy some gold, go through the process of how they would deposit it with monetary metals and actually earn interest on it. So, um, you know, you, you open an account with us the way you pretty much do with anybody else. We have all the standard anti-money laundering, know your customer compliance stuff that we got to do. You open your account. Uh, you can wire us dollars and we'll sell you gold and we think we have a pretty good price. Or you can... Um, FedEx us the gold or ship it in from another depository where it might be held. Once it hits your account at Monetary Metals, we don't charge storage fees on it. Then at that point, uh, once you have gold on account, we bring you um, opportunities to lease the gold. Um, and if you're accredited, we also have opportunities to lend that are uh, bonds. But either way, the proposition is the same. We're, we're telling you, okay, here's the company, here's what this company does. Here's what they look like, uh, balance sheet and so forth. Here's where the gold is going to be. Here's how they operate. Um, and are you interested in leasing your gold to them or lending your gold to them as the case may be? What's the interest rate you want in order to agree to do such a thing? Because the interest rate is the compensation to the investor, of course, for taking that risk. There's no such thing as a return without a risk. Anybody who promises that is uh, probably... Um, committing fraud um, and um, investors decide okay I like this deal I don't like that one this is how many ounces I want to put into it and what and, is the uh, range of interest rates that people can, can get really? yeah so historically in our leasing so we have a, a market with a degree of transparency 
um, the interest rates have ranged, this is net to the investor, of uh, between 2% and 4.5%. That is per annum, and that is gold on gold. So if you uh, at least 100 ounces of gold, and uh, the interest rate is 3%, then at the end of the year, you get three ounces of gold interest. Okay, so you can get it in gold, or you could also get it in cash. Is that correct? Um, what, what you're what you're fundamentally getting is gold, and then if you want us to liquidate that, and then you know send you the the cash, we can do that. But you're getting you know three times whatever the gold price is at that moment in time. So you're getting a compounding effect. So your account is being credited with more gold as you get this interest. That's right, and then you can reinvest that in the next opportunity, the next opportunity, and that's how that's how civilization is supposed to work. It's is this unique? Is there anybody else doing offering interest on gold like this? I'm not aware of that. Uh huh. So why would the the, uh, the people you're leasing it from? What is their interest in paying? Why are they willing to pay interest uh, on the gold? So in the case of a lease, these are companies that need gold either as inventory or work in progress. So take, take, for example, a um, jewelry manufacturing company, and let's just keep the math really easy, and let's say that every day they buy a kilogram bar of, of gold, and then they, over a two-week process, let's say they have one step per day, uh, first they have to squash it between a, a series of rollers to get it uh, you know, thinner and thinner to turn it into a big sheet. And then they cut out little shapes out of it, and then they bend those shapes, and then they solder those shapes with gold solder, and then they polish it, and they, uh, you know, they weld on little prongs for for jewels. Um, and let's say that two, takes two weeks, and then at the end of that process, every day they're selling a kilo worth of finished rings and necklaces. Okay. So uh, that is a business, assuming that took two weeks. Every day they buy a kilo, and every day they sell a kilo. There's two. There's I'm sorry. There's 14 kilos of gold, always contained inside the manufacturing processes, and all the various partially completed, uh, you know, work in progress. Okay. And so um, they have to finance that somehow. Gold being really expensive, if it was copper or sand, you know, you would just buy it on the market and you wouldn't worry about it too much. But gold, uh, you know, being $1,900 an ounce or whatever, I know it fell today. Um, uh, is very expensive. It has to be financed. And so that can either be uh, with equity capital, which is a very expensive way to go. They can do it with a bank loan. The problem with a bank loan, suppose you borrow a million dollars and you buy a million dollars worth of gold inventory and then the price of gold drops as it did today. Um, I think the price was price drop today was about, uh, what, 3 or 4%. So your collateral has gone down in value. For the loan. Well, your asset has gone down. So you have you have a balance sheet with an asset and a liability. The asset's gone down, but the liability hasn't. Yeah. So if that happens enough, you're bankrupt. Right. So if That's you're going to borrow company. dollars, you then have to put in a hedging program, which means you have to borrow more dollars to fund the hedging program, and then you have all the costs, payroll and compliance and audit and all those things. Or if you lease the gold, you don't worry about the price anymore because you're offloading the price risk to the investors who own the gold. So it's a really nice win-win deal. The investor wants to own the gold anyway as part of a portfolio allocation. Yeah. Um, the lessee does not want the price exposure because that's an existential threat to his business. And so uh, he gets the financing and he gets the, the built-in hedge as part of the deal. Are there other players in addition to gold, jewelry manufacturers uh, that want to lease gold like this? 
Yeah, so there's refiners, there's bullion dealers, there's um, jewelry dealers, there's uh, recyclers. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of um, a vertical. Uh, so bunch there's of lots vertical of demand. Stuff. Lots of demand for these leases. You're saying. There is, yeah. So from the investor's point of view, one normally thinks of gold as like an inert asset that never it can go up and down in value, but never produces interest. This is kind of changing that paradigm. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's going back to the role that gold had for a couple of thousand years, which is to use it not as a dry asset that you put on a shelf and it gathers dust and hopefully the price goes up. That's really the anomaly of the last uh, 50 years, roughly. Um, but, you know, throughout history, gold was used to finance something productive and, and earn a return for, for, the, for the investors. Um, and that's what... Um, so there was leasing going on for a long time. You're saying the similar idea of leasing gold has been around well, for a long time. Not, not, just, not just leasing, but, um, you know, the idea of lending gold, uh, which, you know, as, as I mentioned, we're also doing gold bonds to finance, for instance, a mining company that needs to put in a plant to, to mill the, the ore and, and concentrate it. And let's say that's $10 million to build the mill. Well, they, again, they can borrow in dollars. And then they have the problem what if the gold price drops or they can borrow in gold and then um, uh, you know, have that built-in hedge. So it's, it's the idea of using gold as a, um, a financing mechanism, paying interest on the gold and allowing people to, to compound their savings, not in the dollar, which is falling and designed to fall, by the way, uh, but in gold, which uh, holds its value and doesn't fall. Does this work for other precious metals? Do you have a similar program for silver? And we have silver. Radium? We have silver. We have done um, a, a platinum deal, but um, the problem with the other metals not being money is that they um, they don't have a very stable value because there's very little accumulated inventories. The thing about gold and silver is people have been accumulating inventories for thousands of years, and in the case of gold, virtually all the gold ever mined in human history is still in somebody's hands. Yeah. Uh, in the case of silver, some of it's definitely lost. It's not worth recycling uh, in many cases because of the lower price. But um, you have this enormous, it's called stocks to flows, right? How much inventory has been accumulated over, let's say, 5,000 years divided by how much is produced on an annual basis. And if you look at the World Gold Council, the official number is something like 60 years stocks to flows in gold. Compare that to any ordinary commodity, or for that matter, platinum, palladium, rhodium, and those things generally have a stocks of flows in months. So, which means the slightest bit of supply tightness, and the price can go through the roof. Uh, a change in the um, emissions regulations for cars can cause the price to either collapse or go through the roof. And um, so, without being stable like that, yeah, people can lease them. There is a bit of a market for leasing those things. But they, obviously, the price risks are much greater in, uh, in those metals. Yeah. If people want to do this, uh, is there a certain minimum amount of gold they need to buy through monetary metals? Um, either buy or, or just um, uh, transfer to us as 10 ounces of gold or the equivalent of silver. So they could either buy it from you. If they've got existing gold, what would they do? They would ship the physical gold uh, to you? Yeah, we, we can give them a FedEx um, um, you know, shipping label with which includes insurance. And so they ship it to you. Then you you have it on account, 
And right. you have to have possession of it in order to pay interest. Is that right? You can't be kept in somebody's home. Yeah, I mean, right. If you want to keep it in your home, that's great. But then nobody's going to pay you interest on that, obviously. <laughs> right. Very good. Okay. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is uh, Keith Weiner. He is the CEO and founder of Monetary Metals, which allows you to earn interest on your gold and silver. Uh, you can find out more at his website, monetarymetals.com. We'll be back after this. Wish you were in early on one of the best-performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020. With our crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and most importantly, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies IPOing like Beyond Meat or being bought by companies like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Our crowd's investment professionals leverage their extensive network to review some of the most promising private companies and startups in the world. Their in-depth due diligence includes meeting with management teams and generally comprehensive vetting of the deals they decide to take on from their own portfolio. Since our crowd has selected a deal, they offer accredited investors the opportunity to invest alongside them with the same terms. If you're an accredited investor, you can join our crowd for free at OURCROW.com slash answers and review current deals. No payment is involved until you decide to participate in a deal. After you review the deals, you have access to our crowd's investor relations team, where you can talk directly to, what, to them on the phone about your personal investment goals. The investment professionals at our crowd have already reviewed thousands of companies, invested hundreds of millions of dollars, closed investments in over 200 companies, chosen dozens of companies that have made exits. Accredited investors can participate in single company deals for as little as $10,000 or one of our crowd's funds for as little as $50,000. Today, you can join our crowd's investment in Syabra, which is an artificial intelligence-enabled platform that uncovers online disinformation and deep fakes. As disinformation becomes increasingly threatening to global brands, media, and governments, Syabra reports it's uniquely positioned to serve this potential $6 billion market. You can get in early on Syabra and other unique opportunities at ourcrowd.com slash answers. If you're interested in investing, you need to join our crowd. The R-Crowd account is free, so just go to OURCROW.com slash answers. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, 
philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Keith Weiner, CEO and founder of Monetary Metals, which allows you to earn interest on your gold holdings. Their website, monetarymetals.com. Welcome back to the show, Keith. Thanks, Jordan. So gold has had a pretty big rise uh, recently, and then today it plunged sharply. Maybe just briefly explain why gold prices went up so much and why you think it's plunging today. So uh, I think the short answer is um, either people really believe that risks have been uh, reduced today with the news from the uh, Pfizer vaccine, that it's 90% effective, and I'm not an epidemiologist, but... I'm going to guess that it's probably slightly more complicated than in 90% of the time when you get the vaccine, then you can be injected with COVID and you don't get sick. I'm sure it's slightly more complicated than that, but 90% sounds like a good number. And so the I'm sure the mainstream theory is that investors are super excited. Um, uh, so anyway, so stocks up, you know, 3% or something like that today. Gold and silver prices down even more than stock prices are up. Um, I tend to think that um, when headlines are, are running fast, um, you know, all market prices are set at the margin, right? So if something, if the price changes, it doesn't mean that 99.9% of the people who hold gold uh, change their views. It just means that those few people at the margin, especially if they can trade with leverage, um, you know, make bets based on oh, Biden's going to be president, Biden's not going to be president, Trump is winning, Trump said he's going to be lost, so Biden announces victory, you know, all these things, and the people that are pressing the button on, on relatively big trades, especially if they tend to be a herd and they tend to think as a group, which is certainly true uh, a lot of the time, then, you know, you get a big move like this. You know, looking beyond that, I think my explanation for why the stock market has been going up relentlessly since Obama took office. It's not really the Trump boom, it's really the Obama-Trump boom. And now with the news that apparently Biden is gonna be our next president and the stock market was up even on, on Sunday evening trading before the Pfizer news, uh, the stock market was already up 1.8%, something like that last night. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, uh, it's just simply a, a bet on the continued falling of the interest rate. So as the interest rate falls, the asset price is, is an inverse to the interest rate. And um, so it's a bet on, on the continuing falling of, of interest rates, which means continued um, you know, easy, easy policies from the Fed and uh, you know, more borrowing to buy more assets. But that's and, not um, new. I mean, the Fed has been easy for quite a while here. Interest rates are already, the Federal Reserve rates are pretty much at zero. In, in Europe, they're negative. How much lower can interest rates go? You think we're gonna have negative interest rates in the US? 
Eventually, yes, but um, it's the short term that's near zero, but the longer term interest rates, you know, the last time I looked, the earnings yield on a stock was still in the almost 3%, uh, you know, vicinity and dividend yields, uh, you know, somewhat above that. And that can keep coming down too. And so, you know, people cheer the endless bull market, but I kind of see it as wringing all of the returns out of capital. So it takes more and more and more capital to get, you know, less and less return. And, um, you know, I, 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 that's been the trend for 40 years. I, I don't think that's going to end anytime soon. So anyways, Would you when, call when, this a, a bubble? Would you say that this has been artificially inflated by cheap money? You know, yes and no. Um, I, I think if I were to try to define bubble rigorously, I'd say it's when the market price of an asset is greater than the net present value. Um, you know, it's calculating some sort of discounted cash flow type analysis. Yep. And when you keep lowering the interest rate, you keep getting higher asset prices, but the asset prices are in line with the discounted future cash flows because the discount rate really is the market interest rate. Yep. So if you cut the interest rate in half, that approximately doubles the net present value of all the of all the, uh, um, is, is that a dangerous thing? You're, the, the Fed Reserve keeping rates at zero is kind of inflating assets artificially, I guess you might say. It's extremely dangerous because what, what's going away is the equity investor safety margin. I heard a, a really good uh, talk by um, a professor, I think he's a professor of finance in Scotland, Russell Napier. And um, he said, uh, the equity is the thin line of hope between the liability and the asset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, of course, every time the interest rate drops, it represents an increased incentive to borrow, that is to go deeper into debt. So if companies had a certain degree of discipline when borrowing costs are 6%, when you cut the borrowing cost to 5%, some of them say, you know what, 5% I'm in. And some of them may still hold out, but then you lower it to 4% and 3%. And as it keeps getting cheaper and cheaper, more and more companies are lured in and so, yeah, it's extremely dangerous. Um, and I think, you know, especially when the stock market is in, so if there's a bubblish aspect to it, it's when the stock market investors are willing to give up, you know, any margin of safety. And in fact, even not pay attention to the same dollar of earnings should be worth less if there's $10 of debt affiliated with that dollar of earnings versus if there's $1 of debt affiliated with that earnings. they're alternatives. Having earnings zero at the bank or, or you know treasury bills or something, they can't stand it. So they're willing to take the equity risk uh, to to avoid earning zero, basically, or go, even going negative in Europe. Well, that's right. And so if you're if you're a, a professional money manager, and you know you say so, let's say you manage um, you're hired to manage the pension fund for the teachers in the city of Chicago or Calpers or something like that. They have a nut that they expect you'd hit every month. And um, so, you know, before the global financial crisis, the last one, that nut was 8% per annum. Yeah. And then even after the global financial crisis for a couple of years, they continue to hold the line at 8%. And the reason is if they admit that they're getting less than that, then that means there's a capital shortfall and they have to go to the employer and say, pony up more money, which is politically unpopular, as you can imagine. Or raise taxes for municipal. Uh, right, raise taxes, which is obviously unpopular. So they continue to pretend it's going to be 8%. Now, you're the money manager, and this is the politics of the situation. If you raise your hand and say, I don't think 8% is realistic, they're going to say, fired, 
let's bring in the next money manager who thinks he can get 8%. Uh-huh. And so you're put in a terrible position where whatever your personal convictions might be, whatever your economic analysis and your calculations might be, you're not really allowed to, uh, to express that as a thesis that I just think the risks unwarranted here. Whereas if you're in investing your own money, I, I don't think anybody who invests his own money feels a, a compulsion to buy stocks if he thinks that um, you know stocks represent. Uh, you have to meet that bogey if you're a pension manager, is what you're saying. It forces people to take risks that they would not normally take in order to reach that seven or eight. And and there's what's called the agency dilemma in in economics. What happens to the money manager if the whole market crashes? Probably nothing bad because as long as he didn't underperform his peers everything's fine, whereas if he were to say, I'm out, I don't, I don't buy this, I think it's a bubble or whatever, um, then he would be fired. So there's a very asymmetrical personal risk to the money manager that says yeah. keep investing. If you're an individual investor with your own money, you don't have those perversities, and you so, can so say, I don't like the stock market, and you can get out. So why couldn't this game go on for a very, very long time, Keith? It has gone on for a very long time. What would be a precipitating factor in unwinding all of this? Well, when I was a kid playing with um, sticks and stones, literally in, in the in the woods behind our, our houses, behind our neighborhood, you know, some of the mothers in the neighborhood used to say, you know, boys, it's all fun and games until somebody puts out an eye. Well, I think it's all fun and games until somebody misses a payment, right? Mm-hmm. So you have companies that are, uh, you know, squeezed uh, on one side with higher compliance costs and regulatory costs, higher you know higher minimum wages, all that stuff. Uh, and on the revenue side, it's a soft economy to say the least, especially in anything retail, restaurant, bars, hotels, yeah. travel, you know, et cetera. And, um, and at the same time, you're, you're incurring more and more debt just to make ends meet. You know, most companies took on debt to stay alive during the lockdown period. So you have rising debt. You have at least pressure on revenues. You have pressure on costs. You get to a point where you can't, you can't make a payment. And then there's a default, and then suddenly all the creditors discover that now they're impaired and they're not going to. It's not money good anymore. And if that happens, of course, the equities were zero because the creditors are repaid first. Right. And but that's so, happened to retail. I mean, J.C. Penney and Sears, and we could go through the whole long list. A lot that's happened to a lot of companies in that industry already. That's right, and it's going to come to REITs. It's going to come to um, you know the equity of all the. Um, you know, real estate companies, and it just keeps going and going. And so what the Fed is doing is they, the Fed has said, well, we're smart enough to learn from the crisis of 2008. We'll never let that happen. We'll buy up every bond that looks like maybe it's going to default. And so they keep finding ways to extend, you know, to expand the, the, the day of reckoning. And with each extension, of course, they enable more consumption of capital. They, they make it worse by postponing it. And that's so what would know, be yeah, a right. to do it. Better way to let let companies go under and and not save them. Well, I think somebody once said that um, capitalism without bankruptcies is like religion without hell. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, I guess there has, to be a, there has to be a downside to imprudent risk taking, right? <laughs> Very good. All right, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour. Uh, straight from hell himself is uh, Keith. <laughs> 
uh, CEO and founder of Monetary Metals. Uh, it's a way of earning interest on your gold and silver. You can find out more at his website, monetarymetals.com. And we'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, straight from hell, is Keith Weiner, CEO and founder of Monetary Metals, uh, which is a way of earning interest on your gold or silver. Welcome back to the show, Keith. Thanks, Jordan. So we talked about corporate debt buildup, but even bigger is government debt buildup, both in the United States and around the world, China, Japan, Europe. Um, what What is going to happen? Can they just keep adding debt like this forever? Or what, what is the ultimate day of reckoning to the amount of debt we're adding? So if you think of borrowing as coming to, some, coming to the lender and saying, you have some resources that I'd like to consume today, and I promise to pay those resources back plus a bit more in the future. Well, what's the limit of that? And let's assume that you're not actually ever producing more in order to pay back more. You just keep coming to take more. There's a finite end to that game. And that is when eventually you consume everything that is available to consume. You consume all the capital or uh, Mises, both Mises and Ayn Rand use the um, uh, uh, use the analogy of, of eating the seed corn. You yeah. know, you're a farmer and um, you know you harvest your crop. You set aside, I don't know what percentage of the harvest of corn or wheat or whatever it is, as seeds to plant for next year. You don't dare eat that seed corn because if you do, then you're not going to be able to plant anything next year. And next winter, you're going to die of starvation. So what we're doing is we found you know a thousand ways to eat the seed corn 
And while the seed corn lasts, we can say, look, GDP is up and there's plenty of jobs and all these things, all of which is true. Uh, but, um, you know, the underlying, if you want to call it the balance sheet, is deteriorating because we're, we're eating up the, the capital base that our civilization depends on. And there is a finite limit. Nobody knows what that finite limit is. Adam Smith once said there's a great deal of ruin in a nation. Um, so it can go on longer than you think. But not forever. It's not unlimited. Has this happened in world history before? I mean, the fall of Rome, or have there been other times that were somewhere similar and then there was a collapse? Well, yeah. I mean, take a look at Venezuela. Um, you know, Venezuela today has a dictator named Maduro, and um, he's not as popular as the guy he took power from when, when Chavez died. Uh, and they say, well, you know, Maduro doesn't bring the economic miracle that Chavez did. Well, his policies are the same. The only difference is, is that when Chavez took over, he had took over the capital that had been produced in a better era, so he had something still left to consume. And when you finally run out, then you get to the point where people ate all the dogs and cats, all the pets were eaten, all the zoo animals were eaten, and um, you, you know it just gets worse and worse as everything just collapses and turns to, to ruin. The buildings look very shabby, just like Cuba. You know, the buildings, not only is everything stuck in the late 1950s in terms of style and, and uh, technology, but everything's in decay, everything's crumbling, rotting, rusting, um, and, uh, you know, everything, everything that we produce has a finite, you know, useful life in it, right? You buy a yeah. car, it's new, but the more you drive it, eventually gets to the point where it, you know, isn't really worth repairing anymore. And plus it rusts if you drive it in a place with winter and salt on the roads and so forth. Eventually it's, it's, it's not an asset anymore. It's a pile of scrap steel. And that's what, that's what socialism always does. And that's, that's where we're headed. So we've just had Biden elected as president. President Trump has been saying he's socialist. Do you think some of the policies he's talking about are kind of socialistic, even though he would not officially be called a socialist? Yeah, nobody likes that word socialism. Um, so it becomes kind of a football. Everybody calls their opponent socialist and, and so forth. But yeah, I think he is a socialist. Um, I, I think not really all that different from, you know, Trump's most recent two policies that stick out in my mind. One, he wanted to give $1,200 free checks to everybody. Um, and he actually criticized the Democrats for being, quote, heartless and not giving the people what they need. Before that, he said, if you're a landlord, you're not allowed to evict a tenant who's not paying which means if you're a landlord, you're forced to give free housing to whoever happens to be squatting in your building. Yeah. No question, those are socialist policies. So um, what happens if the complete agenda of Democrats goes into effect? They do uh, the New Green Deal, they expand Obamacare with a public option, they do trillions of dollars on infrastructure, they do trillions of dollars for a uh, coronavirus uh, relief bill, and on and on it goes, we're literally spending trillions of dollars by borrowing it. Uh, what's the downside to that? Well, um, to the mainstream would say the downside is inflation. Um, to me, it's kind of a little bit weird. I, I kind of liken it to, imagine if doctors really only had one symptom they understood, which was a fever. So no matter whether you have a broken arm, whether you get shot you know, in the head with a bullet, whether you have cancer, whether you have COVID, all they do is they take your temperature. And so let's say you have cancer, and cancer, as I understand it, I'm not a doctor, but cancer doesn't cause a fever. 
So they take your temperature and they say, this man's fine, get him out of here. Meanwhile, you feel like you're going to die. In fact, you are close to dying, but they, they don't recognize the, the problem. It's the same thing. In the, the monetary doctors generally look at rising consumer prices. That is the symptom that they're concerned about. And so if you don't have rising consumer prices, for whatever reason, then um, they don't, you know, they're like the three monkeys, you know, see no evil, hear no evil, and so forth. Um, but there's something really bad going on, and that is we're, we're consuming the capital. Uh, so what happens if the new, new Green Deal and all the rest of that rubbish is, is enacted? And with that, by the way, comes something called modern monetary theory. Yes. Which is really just the next increment of Keynesianism, which both parties have long accepted anyway. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, the, the, in fact, the, the leading, I think the leading light who's the proponent of modern monetary theory right now would probably be Stephanie Kelton, who's an economic advisor to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and she's saying basically, you know, you can print as much money as you need to do all the good stuff, provided you don't have too much inflation. And she makes an analogy to a bathroom sink. And as long as you don't overflow the sink, everything's fine. And I'm like, wow, this is such simplistic. It's almost like cartoon levels analogies here. But bottom line is, right, deficits skyrocket even more. Interest rate collapses even more. The Paul Krugmans of the world, every time that when the Republicans used to complain about deficits, um, and hopefully they will begin to complain about deficits once again when Biden is in office. Um, every time the, the Republicans have complained about the deficits and the debt, he would smugly come out and issue his proclamation that, no, you see, look, um, as a percentage of GDP, the interest expense on the debt has never been lower. And I want to say, you know, Paul, you're being disingenuous. They keep lowering the interest rate. <laughs> Since the interest expense is the amount of debt times the interest rate, if you keep cheating and lowering the interest rate, well, sure, that's great. Then your interest expense isn't particularly high. But, um, you know, what does that really prove? You're manipulating, you know, more and more variables in the economy that real people depend on the price of money to, to set all kinds of other decisions. So I, I think what happens is the interest rate continues to fall. We continue to consume capital. And um, if there's a bright spot out of all this, it's that maybe the Republicans will oppose Biden when, when it's a president of their own party doing it. They're kind of put in a bad position or it's difficult to oppose your yes. own guy. They didn't oppose anything. Correct. But if, if Biden were to do largely the same things or maybe the same things to a greater degree, then maybe the Republicans will oppose it. It uh, looks like the Republicans should have the Senate, and actually the Democrats have a smaller margin in the House than before. And so maybe the, the bright spot in all this is that what we're going to have is extreme gridlock, and that whatever Biden and his leftist friends might have wanted to do, maybe the outcome for four years is that effectively don't really get to do any of it. Yeah. So and, what would um, be the impact on gold and silver if exactly the scenario you talked about, interest rates fall, deficits and debt, both corporate debt and public debt, uh, rise dramatically. How would the gold market react to that? Well, I, so here, here's why I kind of have to explain my philosophical uh, uh, view of gold. And that is, I think things get complicated when you try to put the wrong thing in the center of the universe. And so before Copernicus, everybody thought that the center of the universe was the Earth and the sun and the other planets were revolving around the Earth. 
Mm-hmm. And it created this complicated thing where everyone's trying to figure out the so-called retrograde motion, right? If you look at the other planets, they appear to go forward in their orbits for a while, and then they do a loop-de-loop, and they go backwards for a bit before they go forward again. And so the, the equations to describe that become very complicated, and then the theory to describe that becomes, you know, absurd. I mean, there is no explanation for something like that. And so when you realize the sun is actually at the center, things become a heck of a lot simpler. So my analogy, the reason why I bring that up is that everybody puts the dollar at the center of the economic universe, and they say, well, gold is going up and down. And I say, well, let's put gold at the center for a minute and say, instead of saying we're standing on the ship of a, uh, I'm sorry, the deck of a ship, which is both sinking slowly and tossing around in, in stormy seas, and we're looking at this lighthouse and saying, why is the lighthouse going up? Um, it, it becomes difficult to kind of explain the behavior of the lighthouse from that uh, vantage point, from that frame of reference. But when you say, wait a minute, actually, it's the ship that is the variable. The lighthouse is actually fixed. It's on, the, it's on dry land. Or it's on the rocks, at least. Then you can say, oh, now we understand the ship, right? It's slowly sinking. There's a leak in the hull. And uh, in addition to that, the waves are going up and down, you know, 20 meters. So now it becomes easier to understand. So if and, gold um, center and the dollar is the, the sinking boat, uh, does that mean the price of gold goes up in dollars? Well, right. So we're measuring gold in dollars, and we can say, well, the price of gold is down today 4 point something percent. It's now $1,867, roughly. Okay, sure. But I would rather say that let's use gold as the unit of account, the numeraire, and measure dollars and say, well, the dollar went up today. Why did the dollar go up today? Well, because, as we said earlier, markets are now exuberant that there's going to be a vaccine, and now we have clarity on the president, maybe. And um, you know, with all that clarity, it's risk on, baby. Right. You know, uh, and invest uh, in risk assets, and um, you know, everything's fine. Whereas people turn to gold, um, uh, you know, as, as the antidote to that. If you don't trust the system, you, you'll, you'll own gold even though you have to pay to store it. That seems attractive relative to buying stocks or buying uh, treasury bonds. So when, when the stock market goes up, there's more confidence gold goes down because people have less fear. It's a kind of a fear gauge, and today there's no fear. It's all greed, so that's why gold goes down. Yeah, and gold can have other dynamics too, but I think that's the one that explains today. Very good. We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Keith Weiner, uh, CEO and founder of Monetary Metals. It's a way of earning interest on your gold and silver. You can find out more at his website, monetarymetals.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. 
Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Keith Weiner, CEO and founder of Monetary Metals. Uh, His website is monetary-metals.com to find out more about ways you can earn interest on your gold or silver. Welcome back to the show, Keith. Thanks, Jordan. So what role does gold play in diversification portfolios? The stock market's been soaring. Interest rates are very low. Why do you need gold uh, to get a better risk-adjusted return in your portfolio? So um, a lot of banks and other wealth advisors over many decades have done analysis where they say, okay, let's take a look at a standard portfolio, let's say 60% equities, 40% bonds, um, and measure the performance of that over several decades. And then let's try the same uh, same portfolio, but we'll put in an allocation of, let's say, 4% to gold. And uh, what you find is you get slightly better returns, um, not necessarily that much to write home about, but you get slightly better returns. And more importantly, you get less volatility and lower drawdowns. So the overall value of the portfolio dropping in bad times, you get smaller drops when there's a little bit of gold in the portfolio. Um, and so uh, in that sense, it's, it's by definition a diversifier. The other way to think of it, which may be easier because it's more conceptual, is that if you're betting on stocks, you're betting on a particular set of economic outcomes. If you're betting on bonds, you're betting on a a slightly different but slightly overlapping set of outcomes. And so one problem you have is that all the conventional assets, and you could add real estate, you could add antique Ferraris, you could add Scotch whiskey, you could add Picasso paintings, you could add all these things. They all have a big degree of overlap in the same kinds of economic outcomes they're all effectively a bet on. And that is that there's no financial troubles, uh, no major, um, you know, credit defaults. Um, everything continues to smoothly go its way, and and for that matter, that the Fed continues to keep keep a lid on it all. Yeah. And um, gold doesn't uh, necessarily correlate. So we were saying earlier that if the stock market is exuberant, the price of gold can go down. The price of gold can also go up when the stock market is exuberant, and that happened in 2009 through 2011. It happened uh, certainly earlier this year. Yeah. Um, you know, the stock market was, was yes, there were days when the stock market was down and the price of gold was up, and there's certainly plenty of days when the stock market was up and the price of gold was up, including last night. So with the, okay, Biden's going to be president, you know, prices of stocks were up, and the price of gold and silver was up quite a bit overnight. And then finally the Pfizer news, and stocks go up more, and the price of gold and silver drop. So, you know, you, you, what you have in gold is something that's less correlated to um, to, your, to to other assets, um, and in keeping with this idea that gold is at the center of the universe, gold is money. So yep. by holding money, you're saying there's nothing I want to spend my money on. I choose to hold my money unspent. And um, you know why would you want to do that? Well, of all the things you could spend your money on, 
are less attractive than holding your money. Yeah. So do you think it would be a good idea to go to the gold standard? I do. And so um, what would say, say you're king of the world and you're head of all the central banks in the world and you hereby decree that we go to the gold standard. What would that uh, economy look like? So the first thing we need to do, it, well, first thing we need to do is define what do we mean by gold standard. And the last thing that I want is to see governments ramming a gold standard down everybody's throat by force, passing a new law that does with gold the same thing they're currently doing with the dollar, which is force you to take it. You know, but the unique thing about gold is, of course, nobody's ever had to be forced to accept gold. It's the thing they want to accept and generally tend to accept if they're not forced to take something else. Um, so number one is repeal some laws that force people to use the dollar. Um, number two, what does the gold standard mean? Well, it means everybody has the right to deposit their gold you know, in a bank and either get currency for it or get some sort of interest-bearing account. But they also have the right to withdraw it, and that's the key. That's the gold standard the world had before 1913 that was lost, um, you know, heading into World War I and never really regained, certainly in Europe. As after that, they had a so-called gold bullion standard where you could only redeem your bank deposits in increments of 400 ounces of gold. They have yeah. those gigantic bars in London, which are impractical and, in fact, purposefully impractical. Um, so everybody People has to say that without bank. a without before the Federal Reserve came in in 1913 that there was no regulator in the economy it would soar it would plunge you'd have depressions there was nobody to kind of help smooth things out if you if you went back to the gold standard you'd have no kind of regulator on the economy at all well there, there actually were there's all kinds of laws governing what banks could and couldn't do mostly self-serving to force the banks to buy government bonds first state government bonds and then federal government bonds and that goes back to the post-civil war era for federal government bonds. So even then the government was causing a, a cycle of what were called uh, you know, depressions or panics yes. followed by uh, booms. Right. Um, we didn't really have a free market and money in the United States. They were closer in Canada and even closer in Scotland. Um, and so there's been a lot written about the period of Scottish free banking. And those but, were health, healthier economies, you think? Well, they, they, they didn't have the cyclicality they didn't have the, the buildup of these booms and then the incredible pain that comes in the busts um, because they didn't have the money distortions that, that we had. Wouldn't, in, in the transfer, wouldn't the transition from our current kind of bubblicious economy to a gold standard be incredibly painful? Well, if you try to decree it, I just don't think it would work. I mean, there's no, a lot of people think, okay, it means the Fed is going to decree a gold price. I just don't think that would work. There is no right gold price, and if there were, the central planners of the Fed wouldn't know it anyway. So what I propose is a market-based mechanism where uh, the U.S. Treasury would sell gold bonds, but in the auction, they're not trying to raise dollars, and they're not trying to raise gold. What they really want is to redeem all the outstanding Treasury paper and replace it with, with gold-denominated bonds. And so the question I ask people is, suppose you had a choice. It's the same debtor. It's the same maturity date, let's say 10 years. It's the same everything. One is denominated in gold and the other is denominated in paper. So what that means is if you've got a choice of treasury bonds, one says, I'm going to, and you're putting up, um, you're putting up $186,000 today. One of them says, I'm going to pay you $186,000 
in 10 years and the other says, I'm going to pay you 100 ounces of gold in 10 years, which would you choose? Well, you don't know what the dollar is going to be worth in 10 years, but likely it's going to be worth a heck of a lot less than it is now. So this, what this does is it creates a market mechanism for transitioning to the gold standard. It remonetizes gold. That is, gold is now being used in finance, in bonds, um, and allows the... So the problem is the debtors, including, first and foremost, Uncle Sam, owe far more money than they could ever hope to repay. I mean, it's ludicrous. Correct. $27 trillion, if you assume that there's 100,000, 100 million people working in the productive sector, not including women, children, government employees, you know, military, etc., they can't pay off the debt. Um, but, um, I'm sorry, not women and children, I mean retirees and children, uh, working men and women of, of working age, about $100 million. Um, that means $270,000 burden on each and every one of them, and if a couple is working... It's, it's a $540,000 burden. There's no way that that could be paid off. So what we need is a mechanism where it could be paid in nominal terms, even if not in real terms. And that mechanism is um, uh, to, to leverage uh, the fall of the dollar against gold, which means uh, a mechanism to go to gold bonds, yeah. as I propose. Oh, meanwhile, before we go to the gold standard, let's just, in the final two minutes we have left, just kind of summarize why people should deal with monetary metals and get interest on their gold instead of just having it sit there inert. Well, so I can talk about the, uh, the highfalutin theory that we're trying to bring the world to a better monetary place, and that's an important part of our why. But I think to each individual investor, it's just an appeal to, to self-interest. Would you rather would you rather hold the dollar or would you rather hold gold? And if you want to hold gold, would you rather pay 0.75% per year to store it? Or would you rather be paid 3% interest to, uh, to do something productive with it? So it's really just an appeal to self-interest. And accumulating it because your gold is creating more gold, in effect, if you get paid in gold. That's right. You're, you're growing your gold, which is how it's the compounding aspect of it, yes. Very good. Well, thank you so much. My guest this hour has been Keith Weiner, CEO and founder of Monetary Metals, a way of earning interest on your gold and silver instead of having it stay there inert. You can find out more at his website, which is monetary-metals.com. Thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Keith. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.